Well, good morning, everyone. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John. First John, while you're turning there, a couple of things. One, um, we do have a men's time this Thursday evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's been a good time, men. If you've missed it, uh, you bring your own food. I know that's key. It's funny how since we started bringing our own food, since us feeding you, the numbers have dropped like by in half. I don't know what that is all about, um, but just go by Zaxby's or somewhere and grab something and come on up here at 6 o'clock. And we've been having different men give their testimonies. I think this week Justin Nixish will be giving his testimony. So come 6 o'clock Thursday evening. Also, I want to reiterate for those who are new to Fullness, we really do encourage you to come to Fullness Foundations, which is immediately after church uh, this morning. So please uh, come to that if you're interested. Maybe you're just trying to figure out, is Fullness the place for you? And this will be an opportunity for you to hear more about how we got here and what the heart of this place is. Uh, we want you to be where God wants you to be. And so our desire is for you to kind of hear what's going on here and be able to pray more specifically about where God would want you. And then tonight, Alpha, if you know somebody who is investigating the claims of Christianity, come back tonight, 6 o'clock, in the youth room. Uh, I'll be teaching that uh, tonight. Uh, we have, we're going to be doing most of our sessions live for Alpha this semester. So if you know somebody who would like to learn more about what Christianity is all about, come tonight at 6 o'clock. <clears throat> First John 5. Uh, the verse that kind of is a basis for this study on uh, true life and real love says this. And we know that the Son of God came so we could recognize and understand the truth of God. What a gift. And we are living in the truth itself in God's Son, Jesus Christ. This Jesus is both true God and real life. Dear, dear children, be on guard against all clever facsimiles. Uh, I've kind of reframed it a little bit. Um, Eugene Peterson says that this Jesus is true God and real life. And I reframed the title of the series to true life and real love because that's really the emphasis that John is going to give us concerning Jesus Christ. He's going to talk to us about what does it mean to have true life and real love. And this whole theme of 1 John is really about having fellowship with God. What does it mean to have fellowship with the one who created us? How can we know that we have fellowship with him? How can we guard our lives against false teaching? How can we not stray away from the faith? How can we not stray away from the doctrine that we've been taught? What does it mean to interact with one another and the people around us? What does it really mean to have fellowship with God? Uh, John... The Apostle John is writing this somewhere around 90 A.D., not too far away probably from when he wrote the book of Revelation, but some distance after he wrote the Gospel of John. And at this point, and you're going to see it in this verse this morning, these verses that we're going to look at, there's this concern because <clears throat> there's false teaching that's entering the church. There's this teaching basically that says this, Christianity is all about what's inside of you. What's on the outside of you doesn't really matter. It's all about this 
super spiritual knowledge and what takes place inside of you and what's outside of you doesn't really matter. Now, it's a complicated teaching known as Gnosticism, and it was really much more complicated than that, and it's really not important to really go through it, but it was pervasive in the church, basically saying it's really about once you get changed inside, it doesn't matter. You can live however the heck you want to live. It doesn't really matter. In other words, it's a subjective religion. It's about what's inside of you. And then there were others also in the exact same church coming in and saying, no, Christianity is all about what you do. You got to obey the rules. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that's what Christianity is all really about. Do you see that after 2,000 years, we really haven't gotten that far away from some of the same problems they had within the first century? I mean, we got people, maybe you're here today, that you were born and raised in a Christian family, you were born and raised in a Christian church. And you were told over and over, if you want to be a Christian, here's how you have to act. This is what being a Christian is. Being a Christian means you don't get drunk, you don't have sex, you go to church, uh, you, you, know, you don't do all of these lists of things, and that's what really being a Christian is all about. It's all about the externals. It's an objective religion. Others would say, no, it's not about what you do on the outside. It's about what God does in your heart. It's about your heart. It's all about grace given to you in Jesus Christ. And really, it doesn't matter. Don't even, don't even look at the rules. Don't even look at what God says about how we're supposed to act. That's really not important. It's subjective. It's how you feel. It's, it's what God has done within you. So which is it? Is it a subjective religion? What God does in you is an objective religion, what you do on the outside of you. John is going to say this, and I believe this is really true, and this, is going to, this makes people mad on all extremes. I believe John says it's a both-and religion. It's a both-and faith. Our fellowship with him is an etern- internal. He changes our heart through grace. But don't give me any of this junk that it doesn't matter about how you act. If you say, I love God and hate people, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. Now, I'm very hesitant to talk quite that strongly. But John doesn't mind it. He just says, look, these people who are coming into the church and saying, it doesn't matter how you act, they're liars. Don't listen to them. Dump them. Because it does matter. The internal faith that you have will translate into something. John can't separate the two. It's a complete both and. So John's going to say that we can know that we are followers of Jesus Christ and in fellowship with God. So this morning, what he wants to say to those who are listening, because evidently there's a bunch of people who are leaving the church, and the people who are left saying, they left. What about us? Are we really followers of Jesus Christ or are we not? And so John says this, You can know that you know. Here's how you know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You can know that you know. Now, let me just say this. In knowing that we know, we're so whacked that we're going to read these five verses, six verses, whatever, I can't remember the number of verses we've got this morning, but we're going to read these verses, and we're going to look at them, and, and some of us can come away with John's purpose, which is an assurance of salvation, 
and others of us are going to feel condemned. Like, I'm not doing this. Am I doing this? Am I not doing this? Am I not? John's purpose wasn't to condemn. John's purpose was to help people know that they know. And what a great doctrine for the church, this assurance of salvation, so that you don't go through all of your life wondering, am I I a part or am I not a part? Does God really love me or does he not love me? I'll talk about that more in a moment. Let's look at the verses that I want to say. Here are some ways that you can know that you know. Is this, should this be exciting to us? That we can know we know? You're going to have to help me this morning. I've got a really, really bad headache. So you're going to have to kind of help listen just a little bit better uh, this morning than normal. Because um, I can't get all excited because I think my head's going to pop off. So, uh, and that would be ugly for everybody, don't you think? All right, let me pray for me um, and for us as we uh, share this word of God together. Lord, we just pray that you go beyond our own physical weakness, our own physical energy, our own physical strength, and instead I pray that you would do what only you can do, Spirit of God, and that is reveal holy, righteous truth. We thank you. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In my weakness, you're made strong. And so may your strength be on display for all to see this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We, most of the time I just fake it and go on, but I don't think, I think you'll be able to tell. Hey, it's, I'm a little off with him today, so God's going to be good. Amen? All right, here we go. Verse 3 and following. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. I love that. We know that we have come to know him. You can know that you know. The man who says, I know him, but not, does not do what he commands is what? There he goes again. He's calling people liars. What kind of pastor is this? He, he commands as a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his words, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Three points I think I I would like for you to see this morning about who we are, how we can know that we know, because I would rather be uh, someone in the truth than a liar who's in the dark. Amen? Wouldn't Wouldn't you rather be out in the light and be truthful rather than a liar who's in the dark? If you're... People, you should rather be in the... Okay. First point is this. Guard your attitude. Guard your attitude. Your attitude, and by that I mean what's inside of you, what God does internally in you. We know that we have come to know him, and here's the word he uses, if we obey his commands. Now, this word obey here is not what we would normally think of obey. Obey, in the way we think of it, is generally, I have to do what he's telling me to do. Now, 
there is an implication there about obedience, meaning to do. But to obey in this context means to guard it with your heart. To guard what he said with your heart. Following God and fellowship with him must be implanted in your hearts first and foremost. I mean, external boundaries only go so far. Uh, I think you understand this. If, again, and parents, I want to encourage you in this way. If all, of your, if all your children hear from you is the don't do this, don't do that, we don't do this, we don't do that, when they get away from you and they don't have to don't, they won't. That's really good. You should write that down. I just made that up right now. <laughs> but it's the truth. I mean, when they get away and all you've instilled in him is don't, then when they get away from you, they're going to they're gonna go their own way because they don't see the fence you've built around them as being valid. It has to be planted internally. John 14, 20, uh, in John 14, 15, excuse me, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Again, you don't obey to get Jesus' love. You love Jesus and you then obey. But again, the word obedience here is not merely an external doing. We'll get to that. That's important. But there is a, I, I love it with my heart. I guard it with my heart. His command is that important to me. John 14, 23 says, I'm sorry, I'm a little bad with the clicker this morning too. 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and do what? Make our home with him. Our, our home will be in his heart. My heart, Christ's home. It's where Christ dwells where Christ lives. It changes me internally. It changes the way I think, the way I feel. It's what we receive. It's not an external, it's an internal. It begins there. It must be in you. Suppose you go to the doctor this week. You're not feeling well. He gives you a pill to take. You go home, come back two weeks later. You say to the doctor, these, these pills are doing me no good. I don't really, I, the doc says, are you taking them like I, you're supposed to take them? He said, yep, I'm taking them four, every four hours. I take them, I smear them all over myself, and it's not doing me any good. And he says, it's not supposed to be smeared. It's supposed to be taken internally. But for many of us, Christianity is like this outward imposition that's just on the outside of us, and then we're like, well, why don't I feel any different? Because it's never supposed to be externally imposed, it's supposed to be internally received. It starts there with what God does in your heart. And again, I, I know I keep coming back to this, but my, my fear is that if we're not careful that we will make Christianity an external thing. And this is really what a lot of people are reacting to in the faith. A lot of people who have been preaching the gospel of grace that's going around they, they kind of, the, the pendulum kind of swings so far to one side because all they experienced was in, in either Baptist life, which I was raised in, or some other um, conservative Christian format, all they ever experienced was what they could and could not do as Christians. It was never really the grace that God gave them in their hearts to change their hearts and lives and attitudes 
That's where it's got to begin. If you really want to know that you can know, then look at your heart and what God has done. Have I really received Jesus Christ as the one who forgives my sins and cleanses my life and walk in him? It changes the way we act, though. Guard, you, guide your actions. Guide your actions. He goes on and says, after if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must do what? Hello? Walk as Jesus did. Must walk as Jesus did. This is one of those what would Jesus do verses. Um, and, and, it, and it changes in that what's internal in me then changes the way I walk. Now the path that I'm going on, I'm no longer going on. I'm going on a different path. I'm going to follow Jesus' path. The point here is we live, and this is where it gets so complicated for us, is that we can't see at times one without the other. I mean, one, I mean we, that, excuse me, we see one without the other. Why do I do what I do? Because I'm in total and complete fellowship with God. I love God. Therefore, I do what I do. And John is saying, Listen, here's how you can know if you're in fellowship with God. Are you doing what God would have you do? Are you following the path that Jesus would have followed? Uh, what, what did Jesus do? He, he, he told us in his model. He said this, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. Now, people, I don't know about you, but to me, this is a remarkable claim. This is Jesus God in the flesh saying, I can do nothing, what, nothing by myself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. This is what it means to walk in fellowship with God. We hear from God and we do what God reveals to us. That's how Jeep, that's the model of Christ. We do what Jesus did. Fellowship with God, follow the path. Now, see, here's where we back up sometimes and we screw all this up. The, the truth is, if I'm not doing what God would have me to do, something's messed up, right? John's saying, you can't say I'm following God and then walk your own path. People, there should be an amen there. God, but so we're always feeling guilty about the path. Listen, the way to get it right is to have fellowship with God. I mean, once you have fellowship with God, then you start to walk out the path. You just want to. You love to. It's part of who you are. It's not because I'm saying to you, you got to do it. Let me give you an example and see if this makes any sense to you. Let's say I come home and I say to Adam, um, Adam is my son who's over on the front row, and I'm only picking on him because he's the only son who's good enough to come to church this morning. So uh, <laughs> I should pick on one of the brothers who's not here, right, Ad? So anyway, uh, let's say I come home and I say to Adam, hey, Adam, um, I, need, I need you to take out the trash and mow the yard. So by Thursday, take out the trash and mow the yard. Now, Adam will take out the trash and mow the yard by Thursday because he's that kind of son. Now, I, listen, I know families where that won't happen. Hello? I know families where that ain't going to happen. Either the son is going to 
Spock or wine or whatever. But I've beaten that out of him. So well now, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That now, he'll at least do that. It's a command level. That's like the bottom level of stuff. He's doing it because I told him he had to do it. But let's say he hears me say to Kathy, I, you know, the yard really needs to get done and the, the leaves need to be raked, but I'm just not feeling very good, but I really wish I could get out there and do them. And Adam says, you know what? I love my father. I'll, I'll handle it. And he, on his own, goes out and takes care of the yard and the leaves. That's a whole different level of obedience, isn't it? It's a whole different level. It's a love relationship with me, and as a result, he steps out in it. Now, let me tell you where John is headed in the next verses. John is saying there's that obedience level where you do it just because you gotta. Then there's the love level where you hear God's voice saying to you. And then there's a whole different level where you just see what God sees. In other words, when Adam comes home someday and says, you know, the yard needs doing. I'll just do the yard. Now he's at the ownership level. He's taking ownership. It's, it's because he loves me, he loves it, and he knows this is, I'm in this with him. Hello? Do you understand the difference? I'm in this too. Some of us, if all, we, John is saying, look, the command level is here. But there's so much more that God has for you as young men, sons, fathers in the faith. There's so much more that I desire for you than just, this. But how can you know you're in? Well, because I'm doing what God's telling me to do. Listen, people, we should aim so much higher. It does translate in the way we live, but we want to be transformed into the image of Christ where we are, we're saying, man, I love God so much. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to see what he sees. I want to step out in in God's power and his mind. Third point is this, govern your affections govern your affections. And this is the longer section of this verse, and it has to do with love. So we've got this attitude within us, guarding what God has given us, loving his commands. Then we translate it into actions, and now it's going to change our heart in the way we love others. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have heard since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. I'm writing you a new command. Its truth has been seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and a true light is already shining. Are you kind of confused over this new command, old command thing? I mean, I'm like, is he telling me a new command, or is he telling me an old command, or am I getting an old command that looks like a new command? What kind of command am I getting? I think, here's what I think John is saying, then I'll read you the rest of the verses. Um, From the beginning, they've heard love is really important. Love God, love people. Jesus even said, when they said, what is the greatest command? Jesus says, love God, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the old command, love your neighbor as yourself. But John is about to flip it. And he's saying, yeah, love it, love your neighbor. Love people around you. But instead of loving your neighbor as yourself, here's the new part. Love people as Jesus loved people. That's all. Listen, it's one thing for me to love Tommy as myself, right? To see Tommy and say, you know, I really love Tommy because I love me and I love Tommy and there's this whole level. But it's a whole different level of love that I'm going to have for Tommy when I say, I want to love Tommy as Jesus loves Tommy. How did Jesus love Tommy? 
Jesus loved Tommy so much he gave his whole life for him. Jesus loves Tommy so much he's willing to be crushed for Tommy. John is saying, look, this level of love, it's, it's more than just loving for the sake of... I mean, if I love Tommy, and I, I don't know if that phrase is making you all uncomfortable or not, but if I love Tommy like I love me, then what am I doing? It, there's kind of a self-serving love going on there. Well, I want to love Tommy because I love me, because I want me to advance. I want Tommy to advance. I, it, it's kind of like, and if you're not careful, what you do is you start to love people for what they can give to you. We start to love people for just kind of, yeah, I'm going to love them, but not them. I'm going to love them, not them. I, I, I mean, it becomes self. Most of us love because it advances us. I mean, that's just the bottom line. We're so self-centered that really we, we look around and we pick friends and people we love based on, is this going to value me more? But when we get to the point where we love as Jesus loved, whew, I'm willing to be crushed for the sake of someone else. It's a whole different level. He's saying, you've heard this old command. I'm giving you a new command. It's like the old command, but it's like the old command on steroids, so to speak. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still where? Still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. There's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. We want to love like Jesus loved. Jesus gave this new command. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love precedes obedience. You really want to love? Love is Christ's love. I mean, really, again, this may be the only thing you hear today, but uh, try and take it to heart. Do you know we have, let me give you this illustration thing, maybe it'll help. We have laws in our land, which means that I have to take care of my kids. I mean, there are laws in place. I got to feed them, got to send them to school, I got to, I mean, I got to do these things. I mean, there are laws in place for us to make us take care of our children. Is that why you take care of your children? Because if you don't, you're going to violate the law? Listen, that's how screwed up we are. That if we, we say to people, if you don't take care of your kids, we're going to put you in jail. That's the, that's the refraining thing that's going to help parents take care of their children? Is it any wonder our nation is so messed up? Why do I take care of my children? Because I love my children. I, I, I love them and I want to care for them. Not because of the law, but because of love. Listen, I've said this before and I really believe it's, and I've seen it way too much in a lot of marriages, especially. When love is absent, all you've got left is legalism. You should write that one down too with the won't, won't, don't thing I said earlier. But when, when love is absent, all you've got left is legalism. All you've got left is the law. 
Why is, why is it so many churches, all you hear is rules? Because in, and, and in most of those churches, what's absent is love. I mean, having this love doesn't mean we don't do. But if we don't get it in the right order, if we don't get it in the proper framework, if we don't get it in the powerful... I mean, I'm going to take care of my children because I love them. I'm going to end up at the same place of doing, but I do it because I love them, not because the law tells me I have to. But if love is removed from this situation, then the only thing left is the law. That's all I've got. And let me tell you, I've been to court a number of times, and you, it is not a loving place. Come on, Steve. Say it amen louder. (laughs) Steve's an attorney. I mean, really. And most of the time that when I've been to court, they don't give a flip about mercy. They don't really care about love. It is, did you do this or did you not do this? If you did do this, here's the line we're going. And then you hear about people begging, crying, saying all sorts of stuff. And I'm sure the judge has heard it a billion times before. And he's just like, nope, off to jail. We need love. We need to know that the truth is seen and testified to in Jesus Christ. We've seen it in him and you. Jesus' love was crushed because of us. He loved his disciples in spite. I mean, really, read the, you think the disciples were, they were not the apostles when Jesus was with them. They were like, bickering, fighting over who's going to get to be first, saying stupid things. Um, you know, I mean, really, they were not the apostles. Jesus loved them anyway. He loved the poorest of the poor, the outcast, the lowest of sinners. He laid down his life for his friends and for his enemies. One of the greatest accusations they could bring against Jesus at his trial was what? He was a friend of sinners. Wow, that's kind of one of the worst things they could bring against him. He said some other things they brought against him, but that was one of the major, you know, he's a friend of sinners. Wouldn't that be great if that were what people said about us as like the worst thing they could say? Like Chris Coon, he's a friend of sinners. Well, praise God, somebody's out there loving sinners. (laughs) Don goes on and says, you can't hate your brothers and walk in the light you hate your brothers, you're in the darkness. He, he ties it into really sinning. He says, if you're still in the darkness, you're going to stumble. I, I, I have another confession to make this morning. I usually make one, at least one a week uh, to you. I, I am awful in the dark. I mean, like, really, my wife mocks me. I'm so bad in the dark. When the lights, you know, like, if I'm walking down the hallway, if there's only one thing in the hall, I'm going to kick it, hit it, do something, because I and, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling around. I'm terrible in the dark. I stumble in the dark over one pair of shoes in a huge room, and that's the only thing. In the... That's the way we are if we think we're walking in the light we're, we're, and not loving people. We are really in the dark. And when we don't love, it causes us to stumble. Let me get a little personal just for a second. If you're, if you're going around 
complaining that nobody loves you, then I want to say this, you're stumbling. God loves you. People around you love you. You know, honestly, it, you, you thought I was going to say, if, if you're going around saying, I don't like somebody, but flip it on you. Flip it to the point you're saying, I mean, people do love you. And, and, and what happens is when you go around saying, oh, people don't love me, people don't love me, what you're doing is you're being so self-centered that instead of getting outside of yourself and loving others, you're focusing it all back on you again. Hence, you're not loving others and you're stumbling. If you're going around just blaming others, you're stumbling. If you're going around saying, I don't like those people, you're stumbling. The point is this, as I say it in love. God loved us so much that Jesus gave his life for us. We receive that love in ourselves. It changes our heart. It changes our attitudes. It then should guide our actions. I, I live this life in a love relationship with Jesus, and now I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to love as Jesus loved. I'm going to see the people around me as opportunities just to pour out the love of Christ to them. And what Jesus says is, by this all men will know you're my disciples. Why? Because that is so contrary to the way we're built. We will be transformed by the gospel. Guard your attitude. Let Jesus and his love guide your actions, govern your affections, and you will know that you know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray this morning that you would indeed change who we are and how we respond and how we act. Lord, I pray that we'll come now to a time where we minister life to one another, we pray for one another. I pray, Lord, for those who are here today who are who would say, you know what, I think all my Christianity stuff has been external rather than internal. I've really never experienced the love of Christ. I pray that I would be transformed by the power of the gospel today. Lord, I pray for those who uh, are followers of Christ but would say, you know what, i got a, I got a love issue here, Lord. I, I just need to really extend my love outward to others. I need to not be so self-centered either trying to protect myself or blame others. Lord, I pray that today your grace would just be poured out upon me. I would know it in a very real way. I want to know that I know that I'm a follower of Christ. Lord, I pray for those who are sick and need healing. I pray, God, you would bless them today with your power and your presence. Those who just need a fresh outpouring of the power and presence of the Spirit of God, come Holy Spirit. God, we just give this time to you for the lifting of burdens and the freedom of people. Move as you desire to move. Come, Holy Spirit. Ministry teams, come to the front right now. Spread out across. And if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, please come to one of these teams this morning. Just receive prayer from them. Let God's power move. Uh, this is nothing magical, mystical. It's just 
an encounter between God's people and God's presence to do what he wants to do. If you need prayer while Mitch sings and we worship God, just come and receive prayer right now. Everyone stand up if you would and let's worship God together. Allow those to receive prayer who need prayer. If you don't need prayer, that's fine. Just worship God and let him touch your heart and life this morning. If you need prayer, just move.
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. 